For some Americans, coronavirus has given the old revolutionary slogan, give me liberty or give me death, a new, almost literal significance. The healthcare workers, I mean, they're heroes, but their rights don't supersede a protester's rights. They just don't. And the virus has revealed the gap between Donald Trump's rhetoric and the reality of governance. Trump acts as though he's Mussolini, but the government of Trump is much more akin to George W. Bush or Ronald Reagan. Is the pandemic fatal to his re-election chances? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, Donald Trump and the corona protests. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. that the government doesn't really understand what is an essential job. Every job that, you know, puts food on the table is an essential job. This is America! Did they cite you first or did they just put you in handcuffs? They didn't cite me, no. The U.S. now has over one million cases and coming up for 60,000 deaths. However you measure them, the highest recorded totals of any country in the world. There had been quite a lot of footage of protests breaking out across America and it was quite remarkable that's Josh Clancy, the Washington bureau chief for the Sunday Times. While we're all distancing and isolating at home, to see people crowding around state capitol buildings, flouting all the distancing rules, honking their horns, megaphones. My body, my choice! Open Ohio now! I'm protesting um, infringements on freedom of religion, um, a lot of our rights that have just been compromised by the stay-at-home order. It struck a chord with me because I've always been fascinated by this strain of American life. This type of thing is so uniquely American to me. Just the obsession, the fetishization almost of freedom. Most Americans support the lockdowns, but almost unique in the world, a protest movement is growing against restrictions and the protesters have a strong overlap with Donald Trump's conservative support base. The, the protest network really exists on Facebook. So I jumped into that and it's actually quite hard to get into the Facebook groups. You have to sort of swear allegiance to the flag and that sort of thing before they let you in. You're um, a journalist, you can do that. <laughs> yes, a bit of light deception never hurt anyone. And people are very happy to talk. In fact, talking to people involved in these kinds of protest movements and sort of the liberty movements, if you like, your real 
struggle is actually to get them off the phone. <laughs> I mean, some of these people are just MAGA, you know, make America great again, Trump obsessives who just w want to own the libs, as they call it. They want to bathe in liberal tears. Really, own owning the libs is the sort of central meaning of the Trump presidency. But others are more nuanced, and actually some of them aren't Trump supporters. They genuinely believe that their constitutional rights are being infringed, that freedom is the central American quality, and that it must be protected pretty much at all costs. You know, that old saying, give me liberty or give me death. Uh, there's a lot of people who take that very seriously. And therefore, finding the very concept of lockdown an anathema. And there's this great fear that, well, once governments start taking your freedoms, they don't give them back, which I think is, you know, there is something to that. Is, is any of this at all adjacent to guns rights? for example. Yes, it is. And you will, <laughs> you will turn up at these protests. And I, I've been to protests where you, you're sort of chatting to someone casually, and then you'll notice that they actually happen to be holding a giant AR-15 in their right hand. Yes, the Second Amendment is, is one of the central freedoms that many people obsess over. And there is quite a lot of overlap. Uh, a lot of the same people will be protesting the lockdown. Uh, and they see the two as connected. They see the right to bear arms as really just one part of a greater freedom of, of being an American. It's not just a kind of recent interest. You were interested in kind of previous incarnations of this kind of spirit in America. I left university in 2009, and it was just as the Tea Party protests were springing up. And that's kind of when I came into journalism. I was fascinated by them. To me, it said that that history is still alive. Sort of Samuel Adams, and, and it was, uh, you know, going back to the Mayflower, it was like that kind of obsession and it's obviously evolved and changed over the years but freedom above all things just fascinated me and, and to me as a Brit Obamacare which is what they were protesting in 2010 partially at least uh, seemed perfectly logical I mean we have the NHS you know it seems like a perfectly reasonable thing to do for government to sort of underwrite healthcare. but to Americans it or some of the to the Tea Party at least it was a tyrannical it was despotic and I just found that fascinating and, and then I arrived in America September 2016 just as the the election was really kicking off and so went deep into the Trump world. I was, you know, riding with the bikers for Trump. I was going to kind of prepping rallies in Colorado where they were sort of preparing for a Hillary apocalypse. I have this fantastic image there. You said you rode with the bikers for Trump of you growing the back of your hair extremely long and sitting on a Harley Davidson with a Stars and Bars flag going behind you. Well, it, was, it wasn't far off that. It was coming into DC for inauguration and these guys had come up from Southern Virginia and they let me ride with them sort of through Georgetown, which you know, is a very genteel suburbs of Washington DC. And it was like you know, real America had come to conquer DC that day. It was quite a, quite a remarkable thing. I was in my barber jacket and had, had actually had quite a new haircut, so I think I looked a little out of place with my, <laughs> my buddy's road dog and tank. But it was, it was an extraordinary day. You got into Trump and you got into the kind of people who were supporting Trump and they fascinated you. How did that take you to these more most recent protests? The people protesting right now are primarily what you would call Trump's base. And I have been to quite a few Trump rallies over the years. And some of these protests are, in some ways, a manifestation of the Trump rallies. They're raucous. They are 
angry at times. They're quite fun if you can detach yourself from the gravity of the moment. They're colourful. There's lots of funny characters, funny signs, people in quite sort of outlandish dress. And, you know, we don't have Trump rallies at the moment. Obviously, he's not allowed to have them. And so in some ways, this felt like a continuation with the pandemic thrown in. But a lot of it was just people liking to go out, be together, make a noise, express their disdain for elites, for governments, for bureaucrats, for people trying to boss them around and anyone who thinks that they're they're better than them, basically. Did you get the impression that were they prepared really to pay the price for freedom, i.e. rampant coronavirus? Or did they deal with it by saying that actually coronavirus isn't as big of a, a problem as people say it is? Well, it depends who you talk to. It looks very different if you're living in rural Michigan to if you're living in Manhattan. And I think a lot of their argument is, well, we understand why you've locked New York down, but why are you locking us down? Now, a scientist might tell you, well, it's for your own good because <laughs> it's coming your way. And research has shown that it's starting to spread through sort of rural America. But from their perspective, they don't feel like they're in that much danger. Whereas I think certainly in, in urban Washington, and you probably feel the same in London, I mean, I feel every time I go out of my house that there is some level of, of risk. Yeah, so it's very much we're certainly not all in it together. What's happening in our economy right now is devastating. You talk to small business owners here in America. Julie Kelly is a pro-Republican writer who's been prominent in her support of the protesters. They were, many of them, predicting their best year ever in 2020. Suddenly and abruptly, without warning, without any way to prepare, these businesses are being decimated. It was Josh who put me in touch with her. Judy Kelly is one of the sort of many people I keep on my list of contacts to talk to. She's not in the DC, New York media bubble. So you just get a different perspective. I was born and raised in the suburbs of Chicago. And um, my background is really in politics. I took uh, about a decade off to be a stay-at-home mom and then got back into politics. And that kind of veered into doing uh, uh, the writing that I'm doing right now. So politics has always been a big interest for you. Yes, it always has been. If you don't mind me asking, who is the first presidential candidate you got to vote for? George Bush, the first George Bush. So 1988, I voted for George Bush, and that's when I was in college. Right. And it's been Republican ever since. Yes, I sure have. <laughs> yes, I have been. Julie, where are you now? I live outside of Chicago, Illinois, but right now I am speaking with you from southwestern Florida, where it's much nicer and uh, we're not in mandatory lockdown. <laughs> We've been traveling a little bit back and forth, which is great because the airports are completely empty. <laughs> so it's a good time to travel. What can you now do practically in Florida that you can't do in Illinois? There's no mask order. There's not as much shaming as going on. We're getting together with friends who are also down here and we're not really abiding by the strict, you know, social distancing that you see in a lot of the uh, what we call blue states, states run by Democrats who are trying to punish everyone and keep them inside. Here in the UK, we've been keeping six feet apart generally for people who aren't part of our household. Is, is that what you've been doing in Florida? No. No, we have not. And so I think that's what you're seeing a lot of the anger and resentment coming from at a lot of these protests. How far do you think protesters would be entitled to go in protesting against the lockdowns? If you run a business and you've done everything you're supposed to do, 
You've done everything that the government has advised you to do up until the end of this week. Your state, your county, your town is safe from infection, then you should be entitled to open your business. We're also paying taxes to support a government that now is hostile to us on many levels. Our government now is printing money it doesn't have for unemployment benefits we've never seen in the history of our country to bail out businesses because they had to shut down. They really didn't have much choice. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Most people talk about us, and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, yeah. we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. This is sound from a video clip from Denver, Colorado that's gone viral over the last couple of weeks. It shows a medical worker in green surgical scrubs deliberately blocking the progress of a car being driven by an anti-lockdown protester. A protest against a protest. The protester shouts, go to China if you want communism. The medic quietly stands their ground. What do you say to those health workers? Because we've seen some pictures here of protesters coming up against health workers who tell them to stop. What do you think of that kind of confrontation? Obviously, it's not violent or anything, but it makes quite a picture when a health worker is saying to a protester, please stop doing this because you're putting people's health at risk. How do you think that one goes down? The healthcare workers, obviously, the people on the front lines, especially in a few of these hot spots, I mean, they're heroes. And they are definitely risking their lives and potentially jeopardizing the health of their family to do this. They're taking all the necessary precautions, I'm sure. But their rights don't supersede a protester's rights. 
They just don't. They've chosen a profession that at many levels can be very dangerous. They have been failed in the state of New York. Their healthcare workers there have been failed by their governor and their mayor. That's not the fault of the protesters. So they can certainly protest. And, and you know what? There are a lot of healthcare workers who are unemployed right now, who are being laid off at hospitals, doctors and nurses and other healthcare workers that, who can't work because of these shutdowns. And so I think that there's both sides to that I coin. Mean, look, I'm getting along very nicely with the governor of Michigan, but she has things, don't buy paint, don't buy roses, don't buy, I mean, she's got all these crazy things. Uh, I really believe somebody sitting in their boat in a lake should be okay. They shouldn't arrest people. Now, how has that tension played out in Donald Trump? What we're seeing with Trump is a kind of warring instincts. And I think on some level, he's with the protesters. He wants to just reopen and just have at it. But he does listen and he's terrified of the pandemic and of what it might do to his re-election chances. And if you do reopen too soon, do you then lock down again? And that's when real malaise sets in, I think, and when you really get to a sort of risk of economic depression. So I think you can see a different Trump every day. You can see a different Trump in the same briefing, frankly. He will go off on one riff and then contradict himself. He is a very protean character who doesn't have... He's not always rational. He's not always... You know, it's like that old Walt Whitman line. Uh, he is vast. He contains many multitudes. <laughs> and I don't think he understands the difference between them sometimes. That makes it quite hard, doesn't it, to try and work out what he's really about. I mean, uh, when we talked to your colleague, Henry Zeffman, a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that Henry said was, well, actually, Trump had seen what was happening in New York and had got genuinely scared and moved by, by what he'd seen and by the threat of this thing. And then he turns around and tweets, liberate Virginia. And it's really hard to see how those two fit together. Yes, I think a couple of Trump's close friends have been very ill. One of them actually, I think, died up in New York, a property developer. And so he's not been untouched by this. I think part of what we're seeing is I think he's legitimately torn. Uh, I think he does listen to some of the science and some of the advice. But I think he also, his instincts are much more libertarian and, and sort of rambunctious, if you like. And as we know with Trump, there's no filter. You see it all. And so we get to hear different things. It's, it's very confusing, you know, particularly if you are a, a Trump supporter and you're trying to back him and rationalise what he says when he goes back on himself like that. It's not just liberals who are concerned about the president's mixed messages. I think that that is where the president is confusing people because he's sending mixed messages. So on one hand, you're saying liberate Michigan, liberate Minnesota and other states. But then when you have a governor, say the governor of Georgia, who is taking a bold step to start opening up his state. I told the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, that I disagree strongly with his decision to open certain facilities which are in violation of the phase one guidelines for he was critical of Brian Kemp. And so I think his criticism of Brian Kemp, the Republican governor of Georgia, was a little bit of a turning point for Trump supporters last week because they really rallied around Kemp and really believed that he was doing not just the right thing, but 
really following a lot of the guidance that the White House have laid out. And this is not a time for mixed messages from the White House. We need some clear messaging, clear vision about what he plans to do to get this catastrophic economy and people's lives back in order. Supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light, and I think you said that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, too. Sounds interesting. We'll the right, folks who could. right. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs and it. A lot of people don't listen to the president. Well, half the country thinks he's an idiot. The other half, they do know that Trump likes to riff. And I don't think everyone was running to their cupboards to drink bleach, you know, when he said that. People listen to their governors, they listen to their mayors. So it's not like Trump says something and the whole country goes into complete disarray. But nonetheless... Hold on, Josh. You have one of the greatest crises a country has ever had. And a lot of people don't listen to the president? Correct. (laughs) that's that's kind of suboptimal it is suboptimal it is also true that in a country this polarized really half the country wouldn't have really listened to barack obama either one thing with trump you do have to look at is the rhetoric versus the reality how has the american government dealt with this how has the republican administration dealt with this much as many others would have done probably a bit too slowly and haphazardly it's a big messy country but the government itself is functioning not much worse than I think the government in Britain is functioning, frankly. You know, lots of people feel like Trump acts as though he's Mussolini, but the government of Trump is much more akin to George W. Bush or or Ronald Reagan, really. From your point of view, you're a lifelong Republican from a Republican family. How well do you think Donald Trump has handled things? Initially, his instincts were right. I think the way that he wanted to manage it was right. I think some of the people he listened to initially from Dr. Fauci, whose initial statements were far less extreme than we saw, say, from January into mid-March. I think his biggest mistake was taking the advice of Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci, which projected, you know, upwards of 100,000 deaths directly due to COVID-19 that we would have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of bed shortages and ICU shortages and ventilator shortages. So I think that was a major mistake by the president. I don't think that they prepared for this economic catastrophe that we're seeing unfold. So I'm a little disappointed with how he's handled it the last few weeks. I think, to put it mildly, a little disappointed. One of the press conferences the president did last week had a big impact here in Britain. We looked at it a lot. And that was the one where he seemed to recommend, what he did recommend, as far as we could see, um, doing something with disinfectant. In fact, looking at injecting it and so on. Um, What was your perception of that? Um, I thought it was oddly said. And I know that what he seemed to say wasn't how it was intended to say. And of course, we have a reckless and destructive national news media 
who've been out to get this president since the beginning. And so they twisted his words. His words weren't helpful. He needs to stop with the coronavirus task force daily briefings because they're confusing people. They're unnecessarily alarming people. And what I see more and more from Americans is they want to know how we're going to get our country back to where we were. They want to know how we're going to get the economy restarted. We don't need daily updates about what's happening across the country with COVID-19 because people can figure that out on their own. So how do you feel going into the November presidential election? I mean, I definitely will vote for Donald Trump. If we have a 20% unemployment rate, going into late summer. It's going to be very hard for Donald Trump to win re-election, even against someone who is as inept and unprepared and has as much baggage as Joe Biden. When we do get to the election, are you one of those people who's going to be wearing a, a Donald Trump red hat or do you not go in for that kind of thing? <laughs> um, well, I don't have one and uh, I haven't worn one. It's going to be a very unusual presidential campaign season because the Democrats have already canceled their convention. I'm not surprised to think that the Democrats are leveraging and exploiting this crisis to keep Joe Biden under wraps as long as possible and to do what it can to influence the 2020 election day. Josh, what about the presidential election? What difference has all this made? It's obviously not good for a president to oversee this kind of catastrophe, but he has a pretty feeble opponent in Joe Biden who is not exactly out on the airwaves winning the media battle right now. There's a sexual assault allegation around Joe Biden going around at the moment that's not going away. We're going to see more of that. And Donald Trump, yeah, his ratings have dropped a bit, his poll ratings, but he has what they call a very high floor. Uh, he has a lot of committed supporters who aren't blaming this on him. It really probably will come down to the economy. If the economy picks up a bit later in the year and we're heading towards some sort of recovery, I think people might give Trump the benefit of the doubt, or some of them will. If we've got a second wave of infections, the economy's heading into a Great Depression and all is woe, then, you know, they'll probably look to Joe Biden for uh, a new approach. So your judgment is, if there's not a second wave, and we can't possibly know at this stage, then in that case you think he's just as likely to win as he was before? Which is about a coin toss. Yeah, so I would say I would say about 50-50. You know, even the top economists will tell you they don't know what kind of recovery we'll have. A lot of it's dependent on what kind of a pandemic we have. We look at America as a country, really the election will come down to a few counties and a few states where the electorate is very divided and where a lot of the electorate is consuming media that isn't blaming Trump for this. And so it will be close. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, David Aronovich, and my guests today, Josh Clancy, the Washington bureau chief at the Sunday Times, and Julie Kelly, a political commentator at American Greatness, a conservative American news blog. You can read more of Josh's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print on Sundays. The producers were Asya Fuchs, Will Rowe and Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Leo Hornack and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patera. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. And you can subscribe for free. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. 
Also, in these uncertain times, you can keep up to date and well informed on the coronavirus and so much more every day with a digital subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Visit thetimes.co.uk slash subscribe today to find out more. See you again soon.